to episode 10 of By the Numbers here on CKCC Radio. Coming at you, if you believe the forecast, uh, as we're having it Thursday night on a snowy Monday morning here in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Matt Durline, independent professional wrestling referee from Northeast Pennsylvania. Um, premise of the show, if you are a first-time listener, first and foremost, thank you is that I have written down every single match I've ever refereed in my 16 and a half year independent wrestling refereeing career. And what I do is guys that are in this book, I bring them on the show and we talk about the matches that are in the book and the stories behind them. And my guest this week, this biweekly episode has 52 matches in the book. You may recognize him as the number six, Worst mask in professional wrestling history, Shane Storm. Welcome to the show, Shane. Hey, Matt. How's it going? <laughs> Obviously, we've known each other just about forever. I'm pretty jealous of you having a match or a book containing all the matches you're a part of. I did not do that. However, everyone said, write down all your matches, write down all your matches. And I didn't, or maybe I did like my first one, and then like three or four matches later, it's like, oh, I've only had four matches. I can write them all down. I can remember all of those. Now, however many years later, no, not going to happen. I can't recall all the matches. So I wish I did, but I wanted to say congratulations on match with 600. Um, a little bit more than that. And, um, to pull back the, uh, the, the curtain here a little bit. I hadn't hit record, so now I kind of knew this joke was coming. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a little bit more than 600. It's a little bit over 1,100 now, and you are in 52 of them that I've documented to discuss here. Um, some of them. I don't think we're going to hit all 52, but we're going we're gonna to hit a bunch of them. Before we do that, uh, go ahead and take a moment and introduce yourself to our listening audience. Name is Shane Storm. I originally started training and wrestling in 2004 at the Chikara Wrestle Factory. Majority of my career was in Chikara, also GSW, and a plenty of promotions all in between there. And a ton of them feature Ref Matt. Yes. Um, and little known story is that I actually got into Chikara because of Shane Storm. I was ring announcing before I became a referee, and the normal um, ring announcer, the the typical ring announcer for Chikara, Carolina Jim, was unable to make it to night one of the Young Lions Cup, too. And I stepped in in a really awful suit to take his place, and it's because Shane Storm recommended me to the promotion. So thank you for that. No problem. I uh, I didn't necessarily remember that, but I'm certainly glad I was there to recommend you. Uh, every once in a while, people say stuff like that to me uh, about uh, careers or old stories, and I don't even remember them, but I'm glad I did something so nice. <laughs> it gave me a lot of really awesome experiences. I got to meet some really cool people and do some really neat stuff because of it. We'll get started here in the book. Um, and as a note, a lot of these matches, the, especially the, the Chikara matches here early on in our conversation, you can see on the award-winning independentwrestling.tv, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium itself. And if you are a new subscriber, you use the 
code word numbers, you'll get five free days of independentwrestling.tv. Uh, so if you want to go check out any of these matches, you have the ability to do so. This one will not be on IWTV, but it's super wacky, and I'm not sure how any of us got mixed up on this card, like how we wound up here. I have the promotion written down as World Class International Championship Wrestling because we couldn't make the name of the promotion long enough. Um, it was October 2nd, 2004. We're at the Hamburg Fieldhouse. You are teaming with Icarus to take on Eddie Kingston, Blackjack Marciano, the Wild Cards. So let's talk about this one. What do you remember from this match? Not all that much. I remember it's at the uh, Hamburg Fieldhouse, which is famous for independent wrestling, so I was really excited to be there. And I was a big uh, Wild Cards fan. Before I uh, wrestled in Chikara, I was a Chikara fan. So I was excited to wrestle the Wild Cards. And I was fairly new at that point. I haven't had all that many matches. So these type of shows were the shows where we would go and really learn how to... um, work in front of a crowd, how to get a response, and go from there. So before the show, Blackjack Marciano tells me, you know, you you go to training all the time, practice, you've got arm drags down, you can do all that stuff, but you really need to interact with the crowd more. You need to, you know, we're, we're doing this thing where you come at me in the corner, hit me with your elbow, and then dance or something. Dance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. dance. Do like a little dance. Yeah, right, I'm going to dance. So it it took me a real long time to be comfortable in front of a crowd. Like I knew exactly what I was going to do, and that was that. Dancing, anything extra, anything crazy was out of the question. (laughs) But um, I wanted to take his advice, and also I wanted to see if I can do anything and make him laugh. So I ran, (laughs) and I hit him with an elbow in the corner, I think. Honestly, I don't really remember what it was. Um, And then I did like a curry man or maybe like a blue meanie dance, but with the the tiniest bit of charisma, it was like a barely there little dance and uh, it just broke blackjack Marciano. I think then I was supposed to take him to the ropes and whoop him across the rope to hit him with something else, but he couldn't even run. I whipped him and I think he just fell to the ground and rolled to the corner somehow and tagged in Kingston and they were both just dying laughing. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, it was it was something. I don't think I remember anything else about the match, uh, but that. But it was worth it because he really really enjoyed it, and we remember it. Absolutely. And this show, I remember it had this ridiculous battle royal that was won by Killer Kowalski Jr., who was over seven feet tall, and definitely was not related to Killer Kowalski in any way. But I remember, like, all of us were there. Like, the ring crew was in the Battle Royal. Matt Turner was in the Battle Royal. Uh, Carrie Silkin was there at this show. And I remember Turner got eliminated from the Battle Royal, and Carrie looked at him and said, get back in there. <laughs> and, and Turner and said, you're the boss. And yeah, he, like, I remember that. He, well. he went back over the rail, like, I remember Devin Moore jumped the rail like three or four times and just came and went as he pleased for the Battle Royal. This thing was, oh, Dan Champion was there uh, in this Battle Royal. Like, 
so a lot of people like that were from this like Northeast PA bubble or Northeast PA Eastern Central Pennsylvania bubble were all on this show, but I don't know how any of us got booked there. We we just kind of wound up there. Yeah, we used to get emails every once in a while, like the Chikara crew saying, hey, uh, you've got a booking here. This the, the place is the building. Be here at this time. So that's how it happened for us. But I I can recall it being very interesting uh, running into you guys there. Because while I went and got trained at Chikara and we were friends from the NEPA pro wrestling scene, professionally we never crossed over at all really until that point so it was really neat to to see you guys there i can remember that feeling yeah and like just like everything kind of coming together was um it was something that 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 show was was something else <laughs> speaking of things that are something else we move along to tag world grand prix 2005 <laughs> we are in emmaus pennsylvania um, night two of Tag World. Um, and we are, of course, in Sajikara, February 19th, 2005. This is your second round match. As you and Mr. Zero, as Men at Work, went up against Madman Pondo and the Necro Butcher in match 34. And I have a story from before this match even starts. <laughs> it's intermission. And Pondo and Necro had just concussed Anthony Franco in the first round. Like, for real. Very legitimate concussion. And I was upstairs milling through the crowd just talking to people, and as stated previously, we all know each other from being from the area. I saw Shane Storm's mother in attendance. And I'm speaking with her, and we're, we're just catching up, and she says to me about Necro and Pondo, my son better not ever wrestle those men. And I knew that my first match coming back from intermission was indeed her son wrestling those men. <laughs> I have a pretty good story that we'll get to about my dad that night that I totally oh. forgot about until now. But yeah, that um, was quite the night. I remember that vividly. So I was always a huge fan of deathmatch wrestling. I'm sure you remember Matt, but I always loved Pondo and Necro and Mondo and Khufu and Halo and the Wife Beater, Nate Hatred, all CZW deathmatch wrestlers, uh, Big Japan Pro Wrestling. I loved all of it. So when I started training in Chikara, a lot of the times people would ask about different favorite wrestlers and, and things like that. And almost always somebody that would be training at Chikara would have a, a luchador or, you know, a Japanese favorite wrestler or maybe somebody from Ring of Honor or something like that where I'm like, you know, Nick Mondo, the Messiah, and they're just like, ugh. <laughs> but when all these cool teams came about for Grand Prix, it was kind of like, all right, you want to wrestle the um, Deathmatch Kings? Well, here you go. <laughs> and I remember being very excited about it. I wasn't nervous about it at all until that night came. I remember um, being at the building, and when... I don't think Necro and Pondo came together. When Necro showed up, he came in, and he's he's really tall. He's bigger than than I figured just from seeing him on tape. 
uh, this giant dude comes in, and I'm fairly certain he had his gear in, like, a big green sack slung over his shoulders like a big, scary deathmatch Santa. Um, of course, as nice as it could be, come around shaking everybody's hand. Um, still, not worried about it. Um, downstairs, getting ready for the match. Everybody has first-round matches, so not too much going on. But then we start hearing about the chaos going on upstairs during the Deathmatch Kings match and uh, Matt Turner and Anthony Franco. And we hear chairs and all kinds of craziness. And people are saying, what are they doing? They're not supposed to be in the crowd. They're not supposed to be using chairs. What's going on? Tell them to stop. Tell them to stop. (laughs) And then afterwards, I remember Franco and Turner coming down and just looking like (laughs) they were through a war. Turner was bleeding. Franco was completely out of it. And Matt Turner tells me, Storm, you got to hit him. Hit him and hit him hard. Hit him as hard as you can because they're going to hit you even harder or something like that. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be terrible. And then we kind of realized that um, Mr. Zero and I then, of course, are scared shitless. And we go... And uh, start talking to Pondo and Necro. And I think what it was is there's kind of a big misunderstanding where uh, Turner and Franco cut this promo. I, I believe they called Pondo and Necro garbage wrestlers, which is great for heat and great for a promo. But I think I think they might have overheard it. Didn't necessarily know they were you know, in character, and it's a great for an angle to call them garbage wrestlers, and they just thought they were being disrespectful. And then they just said, let's call it out there, I think. Uh, so when we're talking to Necro and Pondo, they say, we can come up with stuff. If you want to come up with stuff, let's come up with stuff. If you don't want to come up with stuff, we're going to beat you up. We're just going to go out there and beat you up. All right, yeah, we'll come up with stuff. We'll come up with stuff right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we came up with uh, as many ideas as we could. And I think I was the least harmed out of anyone. Luckily, this was right before real punches became cool. Uh, very shortly after that, Necro's thing was he would just punch people in the face for real. That wasn't a thing yet, but his headbutts were a thing. I remember after the show, I definitely had like three or four giant lumps on my head from headbutts from Necro. Um, other than that, I took... Uh, Pondo hit me with a stop sign, but I was, for the most part, okay. Mr. Zero was concussed, and he had a broken nose, I'm pretty sure. Um, downstairs a few times, he's like, hey, will you just hang out with me a little bit? I think I got kind of messed up. Yeah, yeah, I'll hang out with you. A little bit later, hey, will you hang out with me? I uh, think I got a little messed up. Yeah, yeah, you're you're okay. You told me that already. Do you want to get some water? You okay? Or get some air? You want to stay with me? I think I got a little bit messed up. All right, you need some help. <laughs> He definitely got concussed. I luckily did not get concussed in that match. But um, then all of a sudden, we're downstairs talking. Of course, Deathmatch Kings are here. Everybody's around. And I see my dad walking down the steps into the locker room, which is, like, completely unheard of. And I just walk up to him, and I see somebody gives me a look like, get him out of here. And I'm like, Dad, what are you doing? What are you doing? He's like, I just want to make sure you're okay. Yeah, Dad, I'm fine. Come on. Outside, outside, outside. (laughs) Uh, But looking back on it, you know, I probably should have uh, I don't called somebody or went made sure to go upstairs and pass along that uh, I was okay. 
because I'm sure my parents were not excited. Um, my sister, I'm pretty sure that was one of the last matches my sister ever went to. That definitely traumatized her a little bit. Um, she might have been at like the Young Lions Cup night three, the one I won. But in that, yeah. she was done. Um, also, on video of this, I think you can see my mom in the crowd. Also, Vin Gerard was there um, holding her hand because she was so scared. It, it was difficult to not say to her, um, I'm sorry, Mrs. Storm, uh, but <laughs> actually, that is second after intermission. I just said, I, I took the complete coward's way. I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> And I remember running downstairs and be like, Shane, your mother is scared shitless right now. <laughs> I'm glad you said shitless because I, I said it earlier and I wasn't sure if I was allowed to say shitless. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this has this has the old um, explicit label on it, so so we're good. So a lot of your 2005 is with fist. Uh, prior to that, though. You guys obviously lose to Pondo and Necro. Um, I believe Zero got hit with your stop sign, not the not the thinner one, but like your actual stop slow sign. I think that's why he got concussed. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, I don't know if that's really what concussed him. I know he got he took some punches. Something broke his nose. I don't think it was the stop sign. The stop sign. It's it's really, really strong and durable. I don't know if it would concuss him. I don't. I don't. I don't know exactly what concussed him. It probably, definitely, could have been that stop sign shot. I don't think that was planned. <laughs> but, but needless to say, you guys lost. And then the next night, we made our debut at the Staircase in Pittston. and this is match thirty-seven in the book, uh, February twentieth, two thousand five. A very snowy night here in Pittston. You teamed with the North Star Express, uh, Emil Satochi, and Trick Davis to go against Larry Sweeney, Cheech, Cloudy, Shane Hagedorn, and Davey Andrews. That was quite the match. I remember, I think this is the first time I ever worked with a lot of these dudes. North Star Express are amazing. Satochi, Trick Davis, uh, Sweeney, of course, Cheech and Cloudy. Love working with Cheech and Cloudy. I'm not sure if – I think that's probably the first time I ever worked with them. And then Hagedorn and Davey Andrews I never worked with before, um, but I knew they trained with Matt Turner, and Matt Turner and I knew each other for years before that point. Uh, so I probably didn't know that they were going to be looking to uh, hit me so hard. <laughs> uh, that's fine with me. I just didn't know it was coming. Um, and then – yeah, that was okay. I remember I did dive. Uh, for some reason, everybody got together near the stage. If you remember for the, that show, I think the ring was something like like three feet away from the stage. And the stage was probably like a foot higher than the ring, or at least like the, the mat of the ring. So I dove out and just crashed into the side of the stage pretty much because <laughs> everyone was just standing right there. That wasn't fun. Um, other than that, I don't remember too much about that match, but it was definitely my first time working with a lot of those really cool dudes. Yeah, and it's cool because, like, I still see Cloudy around pretty frequently when I go up to Excite Wrestling in Binghamton. Still the same dude. Still a good guy. Um, Hagador and I talk to sometimes, um, 
we, and you'll hear in the promo coming up in a little bit for his podcast, an honorable mention. So we talk podcast stuff sometimes. Davey Andrews, I have not seen since he punched me in the head for real in Massachusetts. Um, after I took a pair of scissors away from him in the ring to keep him from stabbing Kelly Primo. Well, sometimes you got to do what you got to do when somebody takes your scissors. Yeah. And I remember the promoter saying to me as he's carrying them back, that's a great sell. And I was like, I'm not selling. He hit me so hard. (laughs) (laughs) So we moved through 2005 and there's a lot of stuff with Team Fist being Icarus and Granakuma. Uh, there was an angle that was run where you guys had, I think, a 10-minute time limit, then a 20-minute time limit, and then the third match was no time limit. But it ended in, like, seven minutes. Because everyone was expecting this big epic. Right. And, and um, I just need to review here very quickly, because there's a match here from May 18th, 2005 in Reading, that may be that match from the Anniversario weekend, match 56 in the book. Um, I don't know if it's that match. I feel like it, it may have been. So that match, I think, was... Oh, the, the you mean the one that was quick, like to yeah. wrap it up, possibly. Yeah. So it started off 10-minute time limit. Was it really 10? That seems really low. Could it have been 15? It might have been 15. I think probably 15. Uh, I don't know. Either way, say it was a 15-minute time limit. At the end, you know, most normal wrestling fans would chant five more minutes, five more minutes. Um, But instead, the Chikara fans chanted seven more minutes, seven more minutes, (laughs) for whatever reason, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, So then the next show, the match was a 22-minute time limit draw. And then... Uh, we also had time limit draw, um, and so the following match was a no time limit, and uh, I think we won in uh, <laughs> just a few minutes, which I think is awesome. Whenever you do something like that, uh, I think it's clever, and it it tells a good story. Um, unfortunately, I think later in the night, uh, Team Fist then turned heel and attacked us, and Icarus used to do this pretty cool, um, kind of like a tilt-a-whirl satellite pedigree. Yeah. Um, off the second rope. So he would, he would get his opponent on the apron. He would sit up onto kind of the top rope with his feet on the second rope and kick off and jump to the floor, take his opponent down for a pedigree. He did this to Mr. Zero that night. Um, it was a pony ring, so it's only like a foot or two off the, the ground, but it still looked really cool. And Mr. Zero's family was in attendance and they did not come to shows all that often. And they, it was a big angle where Mr. Zero is going to be out for a bit. So he was injured and fist just keep beating him up. And his family was there and they were going nuts. They had no idea. He did not tell anyone. No one told anyone anything. And they just thought these guys were beating him up completely legit and myself and probably you were all around Mr. Zero and his family's going crazy. Call 911, call 911. They're getting cell phones out. They're talking to people at the bar, call 911. And I remember Bryce being like trying to calm them down. And 
the one guy, one relative of Mr. Zero says, somebody call an ambulance. <laughs> For some reason, he tries to say ambulance, but he's so worried about his relative, he says ambulance. And in that minute, I can't recognize that he just feels bad for his <laughs> his relative that might be injured. I just point out <laughs> and I say to Icarus, that guy just said ambonance. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you could hear it uh, perfectly fine on video, but no one has ever called me out on it. But I remember that. Somebody call an ambonance. <laughs> I'll have to go back on IWTV and pull that. And see if I can catch the ambulance. Um <laughs> He said ambulance. I think it's, you could probably do it. I mean, I don't know if anyone would really think it's funny. I thought it was funny at the time. <laughs> um, so this begins the build of Shane Storm towards the Unlions' Cup, and you do beat Icarus here in Pittston at the staircase uh, for the Unlions' Cup. And it was like one of the coolest things I think I've ever seen. Like the entire roster surrounding the ring. I had, again, gotten beat up by Davey Andrews and Shane Hagedorn um, because they were beaten on Matt Turner and Anthony Franco after the Pittston Street fight. So I was hiding up in the up in the balcony watching the main event. I just remember everyone being around. But you had some other matches here. You worked Gran Akuma in match 70. Um, that's June 17th, 2005. Also the Cybernetico. Um, which, for those not familiar, this is an eight-on-eight eight match where you have a specific order for how the team enters the match, like a batting order, one through eight. And then it's elimination style. And eventually, if it gets down to the end, there can only be, or when it gets down to the end, there can only be one winner. So if three guys are left from the same team, then they have to start wrestling each other to determine the winner. Uh, so let's talk about the experience working with Fist and working with Akuma and building to the Cybernetico and then eventually the mask versus mask match. Cybernetico. I remember that because I was having a hard time remembering because the night before in Reading, I was concussed. Um, it was, I don't remember the, the teaming exactly, but I know I was on a team with Milano Collection AT and I think in Jigsaw against the Kings of Wrestling in Reading. And I was doing a spot with Akuma where I would go for an arm drag. And he would kind of olay it, or he'd put his arms up in the air, and I would just do the arm drag and land on my stomach. And I wanted him to then kick me right in the face. Um, for some reason, you know, I was new into wrestling. I thought it was cool <laughs> to get a good crowd reaction by getting kicked in the face, or at least make it look like I'm getting kicked in the face. Um, he said, no, I'm not kicking you in the face. Kicking you in the stomach will get the same reaction. Oh, come on, come on, Akuma, just kick me in the face. <laughs> no, no, I'm not kicking you in the face. I'm kicking you in the stomach. Fine. Now, I, of course, would have at least turned my head if I knew he was going to kick me in the face. Because I don't want to get kicked in the face. Sure, kick me in the head, you know, the side of the head. 
I I would not volunteer my face for toe. Okay. Um, in the end, I lost the argument. I thought I was getting kicked in the stomach. So I do this arm drag. I fall down on all fours. I'm ready to get kicked in the stomach and then lights out. <laughs> and, um, I can recall Vin Gerard, um, telling the story. He, I believe, was sitting at merch, um, selling Chikara merch with one of our old, uh, trainees named Super Andy. And Super Andy loved hard-hitting wrestling, also liked death matches. I think his favorite wrestler was Super Dragon, which is why we called him uh, Super Andy. And uh, Vindrad looked away for a minute when I got kicked in the face. <laughs> and he just heard everyone go, oh. <laughs> and he turns to Super Andy and says, did he just kick him in the face? And Super Andy goes, fuck. <laughs> he just kicked <laughs> him in the fucking face. <laughs> <laughs> so if you know Super Andy, then you know that that's what his voice was like, and that's why it was funny. But it wasn't funny for me because I was concussed, uh, completely <laughs> knocked out. Um, the next thing I know, we're we're moving on to a spot where I need to grab Claudio Castagnoli and Eric Cannon in like a double front headlock. They push me to the corner and make like a table or a ladder, and uh, different guys can climb on them and they can do goofy stuff off the top rope um, as like a platform. So I'm stuck in the, the turnbuckle as guys are climbing over me, and I look down and say, Claudio, Claudio, I don't know what's going on. I'm concussed. I'm out of it. I need help. He said, it's okay. It's okay. We'll figure it out. You'll be fine. And I didn't like that answer, so then I go to Cannon. <laughs> I'm knocked out. I don't know what's going on. I need some help. And then, um, oh, it, it was rough. I remember, I think that's when... Um, Claudio and Cannon were doing their um, the Ricola bomb with the glimmering warlock as like their super death finisher. And I think I was supposed to get my feet on the ropes to break up the pin. It was going to be a big thing where I I survived enough to get my foot on the ropes. But instead, I'm knocked out. I don't know what's going on. I kicked out at one, I think. (laughs) And then afterwards... In the back, I have no idea what's going on, and I just kind of fall backwards. I know I sit on Milano Collection AT at one point by accident, and he's apologizing to me. And I'm like, oh, why are you apologizing to me? I didn't mean to sit on you. And then Icarus is telling me to breathe. Make sure you're breathing. Icarus, I could fucking breathe. I remember getting so mad, people telling me to breathe because I had a concussion. Um, concussions are not fun. Um, um, and then <laughs> then I remember that the next night is a cybernetico match, which is slated to go at least an hour, if not more. And I, of course, have to be one of the last uh, competitors in it. To wrap up that concussion story, I remember this night now. And what I remember of it was I had driven down with you and Vin Gerard drove down separately. And we knew that you could not drive home. So Vin was like, okay, um, Matt will just drive your car. And your solution in your concussed state was no. Vin was going to drive your car, and I was going to drive Vin's car. (laughs) We were just like, I mean, okay, we'll do that, but why? Wait, I insisted on him driving my car? Yeah, and then me driving his car. (laughs) And then we went... We went to Sweeney's, right? Um, I think we, we stayed there. 
because we the next night would have been. Yeah, we probably would have stayed down there because that's what we did. We slept at Sweeties. Mm-hmm. I remember that, believe it or not. Um, that wasn't the cup with the ham in the cup, right? That wasn't no. the time no. But that was also a night at Sweeney's. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, then the Cybernetico comes, and, of course, a lot of stuff has to be planned out, so hopefully I don't hit my head too hard, even though I hit my head all the time throughout that match. Um, it went 77 minutes, which sounds awesome, like I was in a 77-minute match, but in reality there were 16 dudes so <laughs> I didn't really wrestle all that much, and it was um, it was all spaced out so, because I had a concussion. Um, but it was cool. I remember I think I cut my first live promo after that match saying how Akuma messed with my mask, and we had a match scheduled for the ECW arena, and uh, we should make it a mask versus mask. And it was exciting. Yes. Um I will note that for Cybernetico, I was the outside the ring eject people when they were eliminated ref. Bryce was in the ring. But I still was outside the ring, so I counted. Yeah, that's count that counts. A couple other matches during that time frame here. I see one with Chandler McCore, who was uh the wrestling referee, but not like I'm a referee, like he was a football referee. Uh this was match forty six on April sixteenth, two thousand five. In Emmaus, do you remember that dude at all? I do. I remember uh, a couple interesting things. I wrestled him a few weeks later. It wasn't for IWA Mid South. It was for some promotion in Iowa. We drove to Iowa, and I wrestled him. And we we got there right before showtime. And they said I was going to be a heel and wrestle Chandler McClure, and I was never a heel before. So that was very strange to be a heel Shane Storm against a guy I just wrestled a few weeks earlier as a babyface. But the match in Emmaus, I think I remember, uh, Chandler was really cool to work with. I don't think I've seen him ever since I wrestled him in Iowa, but he was an awesome dude. One thing, he had um, like yellow flags he would throw for you know fouls or whatnot. And yeah. at that time, the dragon kicks were really popular where somebody would snap marry them and then kick somebody in the back several times right along their spine where Kawada used to snap marry somebody and then kick them in the back once just to get like a reaction. For some reason on the Indies, it was popular to kick somebody like three, four five times as hard as they can in the back. And, um, we would secretly, well, I guess not that secretly call them goddamn unnecessary <laughs> Because why do you have to kick somebody in the back? And you always try to make a sound, so you do it really hard. It just hurts. Goddamn unnecessary. And uh, I wanted to kind of make a joke on indie wrestling at that point where I snapmared Chandler McClure and kicked him in the back a couple times like that. And uh, he got up and yelled, gosh darn unnecessary, and threw the flag. Um, But he was really, really concerned about me kicking him. I told him, I'm not going to kick you hard. More so, I'm making fun of him, so I'm going to make sure to not kick you hard. But he was really, really concerned about it. But I don't think I I kicked him too hard. Also, something else I remember about this match, I always loved wrestlers that wore kick pads. But I couldn't wear kick pads because I'm a construction worker. So I got kick pad covers made that were supposed to look like work boots. 
So I got kick pads and I got these kick pad covers, which were like this brownish suede material with um, like eyelets, whatever the things are called on boots, so I could put laces in them. The idea, I think, was pretty good, except they did not look like kick pads at all. It looked like I was wearing like um, like Native American boots of some sort, uh, some sort of cross between Tatanka and Chainstorm. That was the <laughs> last time I ever wore those. And then I gave the kick pads to Jigsaw, and he just... I, I'm sure I have the kickpad covers somewhere, <laughs> but I never wore those again because they looked so bad. Yeah, but it was a fun match. And, and speaking of Jigsaw, we will move forward here to a, to a big block of matches because you spent most of 2006 teaming with Jigsaw. So let's look at let's look at this here. We've got uh, Tag World 2006. You are teaming with Jigsaw against 2.0 in match 167. You are teaming with Jigsaw against the Iron Saints on June 23rd, 2006, 187. Uh, you're teaming the next night against Fist, match 191 in Hellertown. You're against Crossbones and Warshock uh, in Reading, uh, match 209, September 22nd, 2006. And then even in 2007, you guys work 2.0 again, <laughs> uh, now known as Everrise in uh, NXT, uh, match 249. So let's talk about you teaming with Jigsaw. What was that like? It was a lot of fun. I, I like I mentioned previously, before I started training at Chikara, I loved Chikara, the characters, and the promotion in general. Um, so I was always a Jigsaw fan, so it was fun getting to work with him. And I think I came up with the name Chainsaw, which I really liked, like a Chainsaw um, we wanted to have music that had like the sound of a chainsaw in the beginning, but I don't think we ever did. We did a pretty cool combo that I liked where I would pick somebody up almost like uh, they were going to give me a monkey flip. It's almost like they're standing on like my thighs um, facing over my head and he would jump up and do an enziguri and they would flip underneath and I'd catch them into an air raid catch or air raid crash which I liked a lot. I thought it was pretty cool. I remember when we uh, worked with the Iron Saints, they were trained by Mike Modest, I believe. Mike Modest did the air raid crash, so I guess whenever someone did the air raid crash, they would call it the uh, Grand Theft Modest. I'm not sure if Mike Modest called it the air raid crash, though. Do you know? I don't know offhand. I didn't even know they were trained by Mike Modest because they were from the Midwest, right? And Mike Modest is from California, so I, I isn't he? Or am I getting that? Yeah, no, I think you're completely right. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not outside the realm of possibility that they could have gone to California to train with Mike Modest. That makes sense. I remember that time frame, um, his stuff was, uh, like, he had the more, one of the more reputable schools out there. But I remember the Iron Saints being Mid-South kids, right? All the Tomasellis. Yeah, that sounds right. I think there's some sort of connection there. I'm trying to Google it right now. I'm probably wrong. I mean, it, it, again, it's not outside the realm of possibility that they could have trained with Mike Modest. Well, one thing I remember about that match is when I said I was going to do the area crash, they called it the Grand Theft Modest. <laughs> and I thought it was because <laughs> they, they trained with him or worked with him in some way. Uh, who okay. knows? It could be that that's just how they knew the move. Maybe they were just really big Mike Modest fans. That could um, be the case. I, I was once on a show where 
uh, a, a wrestler from here in Northeast PA that I will not name, did not know what the camel clutch was. And then when they showed him the move, he said, oh, the Steiner recliner. So <laughs> some people definitely know moves by different names. So, I mean, it, it could be that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that one's pretty rough, but <laughs> I like it. I think it's funny, especially if somebody was making a joke. I think that's a hilarious joke. <laughs> you mean the no. Steiner recliner. No, but I'm sure it wasn't. I, I, I promise you, <laughs> this is not a joke. But I remember the Jigsaw team. Um, going very well. There's also another match here where you team with Jigsaw and uh, and Jerry at that point as Equinox in the ECW arena on February 26, 2006. Match 169. Miyawaki, Amigo, Suzuki, and Shinjitsu Nohashi. Yeah, that was quite the match. I think if you watch it, it's great uh, to a certain extent. But in reality, it was a train wreck. I know all of us were in rough shape afterwards. Um, Equinox was doing a spot with Nohashi, where Nohashi, he was like a, he had a, a character similar to Jinsei Shinsaki. So like Shinsaki would walk on the ropes of the ring while praying or looking down at his praying hand. Nohashi would do this on the, um, guardrail, or maybe he wanted to do it on the guardrail at the ECW arena. And um, he would do this to Equinox, and then he was going to jump off and do a swinging Frankensteiner. Um, but unfortunately, Equinox ended up just powerbombing him on the ECW arena floor. Yes. And that was disgusting. He, of course, did not do it on purpose. And... Um, then in the ring, Miyawaki, who's always awesome to wrestle, picks up Equinox and smacks him in the head, maybe as hard as he can. And um, Equinox was just kind of jello in a luchador costume for the rest of the match, which is really actually, not, I haven't seen it in years, 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 but it's got to be really scary to watch. Thinking back on it, it's like, oh, it's funny he got knocked out. But in reality, it was bad. He got hit really hard. And, uh, yeah, it was all because he accidentally powerbombed Nahashi. Probably. I, um, I, I, I remember the accidental powerbomb. I remember Jerry getting slapped. I remember this was not my finest moment. Um, I was in way over my head ref in this match. I will gladly admit my less than two years of refing at this point, I am in way over my head trying to keep this all together. Jerry once made the joke that um, like 2005 Chikara is like my Vietnam flashbacks <laughs> because <laughs> I just I, I just can't stand to watch it. They aired Tag World 05 on IWTV one night and I tried to watch it and I couldn't make it through the first match that I ref because I was that terrible. And this match I was in so far over my head. I remember Jigsaw being so angry at me that I would not just stay with him so the three of them could do shit to you guys behind my back. Um, and I deserved it because I should have been with him the entire time. This match was not fun. <laughs> I also did a tope onto Amigo Suzuki, or I tried to do a tope onto Amigo Suzuki, but... He was pretty far away, and I did not go far enough. 
and I landed directly on my right knee and cracked my femur. I just thought I hurt my knee, and um, it was hard to walk and finish the match. The finish of the match was really good. We did a, a big circuit towards the end, which was one of the first times we did one in Chikara. After that, there were probably multiple on every show after that because it went so well. But I'm pretty sure Miyawaki came up with the whole format of that. It was really good, except that I cracked my femur and Jerry almost died. I didn't know I cracked my femur. I went to the doctors, you know, like a week or so later because my leg didn't, swelling didn't go down at all. And he's like, I don't know how you came in here without crutches um, because you cracked your femur. Luckily, I didn't actually have to do anything. I probably should have done something for it because um, my knee hurts today. I, I can understand that. I live that life of <laughs> my body hurting from everything. I remember I one time we went to do some, this is a side story not related to any of the matches, in NEPA, we heard there was a, a pro wrestling training center open in Nanakoke, right? And it was um, Tommy Thunder. Does that sound right? With it does, the, yeah. I don't know what. I think it was the first time any of us was involved with them at all. And we went and we just wanted to do some workout in the ring and see if they'd do some open ring. And we got there and uh, Matt Turner was all about kind of running a, a training session. So we started out and did some squats and some push-ups and general stuff. And then we got in the ring, did a little bit. I think I think Vingerard and I broke the ring. <laughs> um, and then we left, and it was a it wasn't a great situation. Then we went back to your place, and one of the funniest things I uh, remember ever seeing in my entire life is, um, you know, when you don't do squats for a while, your legs hurt uh, pretty bad shortly afterwards. I would yeah. do squats at at training pretty regularly, at least twice a week. So I was at least past that point where your legs aren't used to doing squats. I think maybe you did not. Uh, you were not <laughs> used to it. And I think you were getting a drink out of your refrigerator. You turn around, put the drink in your refrigerator, and then all of a sudden you disappeared. You just fell right down because your legs are like, nope, mm-mm, that was too many squats. And just that you went right down. And I remember dying laughing. Not at your misfortune, but more so that you fell over. <laughs> I forgot about that till right now, and I believe it was you and I hitting the ring ropes at the same time in that ring that snapped the top rope. And they were just like, yeah, session's over. And I didn't yeah. want to do that. That ring was terrible anyway, and I, I made it clear. Like, not that I was – I didn't want to learn anything from the executioner or whoever that was, but I – we just want to do open ring. I'm not really interested in training or have you tell me what I'm doing wrong. I just wanted to use the ring and – hang out for a bit They're like yeah 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 and then they started trying to talk us into all their training and we were just like no thank you yeah <laughs> but we did do some other stuff close to home at valley championship wrestling the rebooted vcw um let's go with september 29th 2006 in mountaintop pennsylvania a building that we'd work in several times for a couple different promotions. You take on now known as Dan Champion, at that point known as Danny Rage in match 213. Match 213 against Danny Rage in Mountaintop, Pennsylvania. I think I was pretty excited to be wrestling in Mountaintop, which is pretty close to my hometown of Swordsville, which is very close to Wilkes-Barre, which is very close to Mountaintop. 
I'm right. sure you love it when people say they don't remember anything. Um, I don't remember anything about the match. Um, I think there were stairs to get to the ring. Uh, yeah. You had to come down like three or four stairs um, and then, you know, run around the ring and do whatever you do. And there was a curtain, of course, in that doorway. And I thought it was a good idea to just do a diving like tiger roll <laughs> over the stairs to the floor because I think it would look cool. And um, I did it. I don't know if I ever saw it on video. Does that sound familiar to you? It does. I remember you doing that. I didn't know it was this match. Honestly, it probably wasn't that match, but I, like I said, I couldn't remember anything for this match, so I wanted to talk about something. But do you remember seeing it on tape? Did it look cool? No, I, I remember seeing it in person in the ring, but I don't, I don't think I've seen it on tape since. But this was during the time part of the booking in VCW was that you were part of Camp Aries, managed by Aristotle Lamore, and you were teamed up with Tuck Hansen and Mike Vaughn, and you were feuding with the New Jersey Independent All-Stars. So there's some interaction here. Your team was Tuck a couple times. There's a match several, almost a year later. You team with Tuck and Vaughn against Orange Cassidy, Danny Rage, and Jerry, the turncoat who joined the New Jersey All-Stars. Uh, this is jumping ahead a little bit. Match 310, back in Mountaintop uh, for VCW. Do you remember that one at all? I do. What I remember mostly about this one is coming to the ring, I climb up onto the apron, and then I put my left foot onto the second rope, and I go to put my right foot on the actual turnbuckle itself, like the metal part that attaches the turnbuckle to the pole. I think that's actually the turnbuckle, not what most people think the turnbuckle is. And I'm just standing there. My foot's up there. One foot's on the rope, one foot's on the turnbuckle, and, you know, I'm clapping, trying to get the crowd excited for Camp Aries. And then I realized that Aries is actually crying because my foot is on his hand, which is also on the turnbuckle. But I didn't notice it, and I'm kind of crushing his hand. I don't think he was actually crying, but he was probably making some crazy faces because all of my body weight was on his hand, which was on a piece of metal. Also, recently I saw a picture, I think, from this match where I think Orange Cassidy and Vin Gerard did, like, a pop-up. They, like, threw me up in the air, and Danny Ridge came with a big boot, booted me right in the face. I also, these that. shows, sorry, were always tons of fun. Because if you can remember, when you're on a show that's close to home, and you know you're going to be at home by, like, 11, or if you go out to eat or whatever, by midnight... That is amazing. That's such a good feeling. And you get to hang out with friends and, and wrestle some friends and have fun, and you know you're going to be home at a, a reasonable hour. That is amazing. That will make a show so much better. I'm not driving two, three, or four hours, and then I'm not going to be home until 5 a.m. That's incredible. So th- that really can make a show that much more fun. And I remember those shows being a lot of fun because of they, that. They were a good time. And now I, in my – in my old age, <laughs> I don't travel too much for wrestling when there's not a global pandemic. Like the True Mill, uh, where I work for True Wrestling, is literally a 10 minute drive from my house. It is amazing. To... Yeah, that's incredible. I have to check that out once this pandemic thing calms down a little bit. 
It's yes. a good thing I wrestle with a mask on. Oh, ah, well there's also a picture of at uh, one point when um, we were. Do you remember any of those Chikara shows in that weird um, town in Delaware in like a Mexican restaurant? I think Sprinklegate had happened by then, and I was gone. <laughs> Sprinklegate, that's rough. Um, anyway, it's when SARS was a thing, and for some reason, in the back in the locker room. Oh, the locker room. It was a Mexican restaurant. In the, the broom closet we were getting changed in, there's a newspaper, and the front headline in the newspaper is about SARS and how important it is to wear a mask if you have SARS, something like that. And um, there were also medical masks. So I got a picture dressed as Stigma wearing a medical mask, holding up this newspaper that's talking about SARS on the headline. And I really wish I could find that picture now because I think it would um, – you know, translate well to the current times, but I haven't been able to find it. I know it was on MySpace, but I don't think I can find uh, that picture specifically on MySpace. And that's a bummer because that that is very timely, very topical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we head into our first break here, when we have you change over from Shane Storm to Stigma, there were two Chikara matches from 2007 to still touch on here. First on April 22nd, 2007. Match 286, we are in the ECW arena, and you are going one-on-one with Larry Sweeney. One-on-one with Larry Sweeney, the ECW arena. Trying to think too much. It's always fun to wrestle Alex because we mostly trained together side-by-side. We, I mean, I was there for a few months before he came along, but we really learned together, and we hung out a lot. Um, and learn most of what we learned together at Chikara. So it was always fun to be on shows against him. Um, I remember I did a moonsault in this match, which I don't do very often, and I also snuck in a cartwheel when I was doing way too many cartwheels at the time. I think I did, like, one cartwheel at some point, and I saw it on tape, and it looked way better than I ever thought it would, and then I decided I just needed to do them all the time because they looked cool. But in reality, they didn't always look cool. They look cool about 30% of the time. <laughs> but I still continued to do them 100% of the time. And uh, <laughs> Kingston and Sweeney used to give me a hard time about it. No cartwheels. Cartwheels are dumb. Um, so I shot a cartwheel on him in this match. He did a drop down, and I was going to do a roll over him. But instead, I did a cartwheel. And uh, it was a really good one. I don't really think I ever saw it on tape, but I remember it. It felt good, and it's one of the things that I remember from this match. I think Hero kicked me in the head at the end. There were pads around the ring, so I remember that. I took a boot to the face, the outside of the ring, and I bumped on some pads, which was nice. And then I think it was a screw job finish. Um, do you remember the details on that? Nope. <laughs> nope. All right. That's the way you want this show to go, where neither of us remember too many details other than a moonsault, a cartwheel, and a big boot on some padding. Oh, that's fine. That's You never know what you're going to get with by the numbers. <laughs> and the last match we'll talk about here before we go to break. And your career, the way this is set up, it actually makes for some very easy break points for, for this show. So I, I know that's exactly why you planned it like that. Thank you for that. Um, we are My pleasure. In- we are in Hellertown, Pennsylvania, back at the Hellertown American Legion, one of my favorite buildings to work in. It is Anniversario 2007. 
um, May 26th in match 297, you are wrestling Mitch Ryder. That was awesome. And from what I recall, I think this was Mitch's first time back in Chikara since like 2002 or 2003. I think he did a couple cho- shows with Chikara back in the day, but this is the first time he was back. And I always heard people tell awesome stories about Mitch Ryder. And I was really looking forward to, to working with him, and I'm fairly certain he gave me a pile driver. His finisher was the pile driver. And this was before not, – not many people in Chicago did the pile driver. And I always watched uh, a lot of Lucha where the pile driver is just devastating. So I remember selling it just like complete death, people to scrape me up off the mat and really carry me to the back. But Mitch then, anyway, was a ton of fun to work with. I was really excited because – it was kind of a big deal that he was coming back and I was going to be the first one to have a match with him. I'm pretty sure that's the case. Matt, do you remember that by chance? I don't remember if it was his first match back. My memory of this match, I know it was it was very early in his return. He had been back, I think this may have been his first weekend back. And my recollection of this match, I remember he did the abdominal stretch spot where he put his hand on the rope, like pulled the ropes for leverage. And, or he did something where, like, the third time I was supposed to catch him, one of those gimmicks. And he said that the cue was going to be that he was going to say, now I'm going to take him to the office. And when I heard the word office, that was my cue to catch him that time. So (laughs) he tells me this, like, three or four times in the back. He's like, don't forget, when I say office, I'm like, yep, got it, got it, we're good. So we're in the ring. He goes, no, I'm going to take him to the office. So he goes, you hear that? I said office. That means it's time. <laughs> like, heard you, Mitch. We're good. And um, I always enjoyed um, my my few interactions before Sprinklegate, and I was no longer with Chikara. Uh, my few interactions with Mitch Ryder were always pleasant. I always tell people that I remember he had, like, just, like, this meeting with us once before one of the shows. And he told everyone that you have 90 seconds from the time your music hits uh, to get over. And if you don't get over that 90 seconds, you're not going to get over. And that's why your entrance was so important. I, mean, I still tell people that to this day. Um, like, oh, oh. Um, an old vet once told me <laughs> that, that you have 90 seconds to get over when, 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 the, when, the, when, the, uh, when the music hits. So. That's good advice. I remember him giving me a hard time about not wearing my hard hat for a while after I was Shane Storm. A lot of people don't know you're supposed to be a construction worker. They don't understand it. And I I knew what he was saying, but I already had to carry the cup, the stop sign, the vest, a lot of stuff to the ring and to the shows. I just stopped bringing the hard hat, and I didn't really want to wear it anymore, where uh, I should have. Um, but Mitch was pretty awesome. He was there and coached us on pretty much every promo in that time frame. And he was there for my million takes of the promo where I explained as Shane Storm why I gave away the secret of the Chikara special reversal, um, and then which ultimately led me to be Stigma. But that promo took a long time, and Mitch had a lot of patience with me. And 
funny that you bring that up because we're going to head to a break and we're going to come back and you are going to be stigma. We're going to talk about some matches. So stay tuned to buy the numbers. Yeah, it's, it's not funny. I, I did it on purpose. I knew we were going there, so I just kind of put it in because it'd be natural. But then you got to call attention to it. But here we go. Back to buy the numbers. It's the most successful independent wrestling promotion of this generation. It's the place where the stars of today made their name. Now get the inside story of Ring of Honor from those that lived it with an honorable mention. Join Ring of Honor alumni Shane Hagedorn and his co-host Jeff Schwartz as they break down a classic Ring of Honor event every Tuesday and get the -the behind-the-scenes scoop and inside stories that you won't hear anywhere else. An honorable mention available every Tuesday on your favorite podcast platform. For exclusive bonus content, plus early ad-free access to every show, check out patreon.com slash an honorable pod. Welcome back to the second part of the Shade Storm edition of By the Numbers here on CKCC Radio. Um, No longer Shade Storm, though. Uh, You have transformed, and you are now Stigma. Stigma. I am Stigma. I know. um, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. We uh, had a hard time coming up with... A name, Shane Storm, evil Shane Storm name. I was really pushing pretty hard for Tormenta, which is Storm in Spanish. But I guess there's already a luchador somewhere named Tormenta, but I really wanted it. Um, But Stigma grew on me. Um, The other option was Pariah. I definitely did not want to be Pariah. So more and more tested out stigma or tormenta. There are people that have a better uh, time grasping stigma. I think stigma would look better on a, a shirt and on a card. Not like a greeting card, but like a poster uh, or, you know, a lineup on a, a website. But stigma greeting cards would also be a decent idea. Yeah, you missed the boat. You really should have had greeting cards. Like... Have a terrible Christmas. Though Jerry really hit that with the hate by 10, so that would kind of be encroaching uh, on his gimmick a bit. Yeah, no, they're just real greeting cards, like Valentine's Day and Christmas, Easter, <laughs> thanks, sorry for your loss, but they're just Shane, they're, they're, they're stigma, and he's just <laughs> legit, you know, telling you he's sorry. It seems very out of character, but it's so nice at the same time. Right, yeah, I like it. <laughs> So our first time working together with you as Stigma is actually one of the two WESS East Stroudsburg University radio benefit shows. Um, this is – you actually made event in both of those. This is November 23rd, 2008. You were teaming with Jerry, and you're taking on Matt Turner and Anthony Franco in match 376. Oh, God. Who booked that shit? Uh, that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's a lot of faith in myself and Jerry and uh, I guess Matt Turner and everybody there. Um, that was cool. I remember we did a neat deal with Franco where he, um, I think I gave him a tombstone on the outside of the ring and then I drug his lifeless body almost out of the room. <laughs> and then we just beat the crap out of Matt Turner for the majority of the match. And then, of course, all of a sudden, Anthony Franco comes back just in time to get the hot tag. And it worked well because it was Franco's hometown and because Franco had barely wrestled in like a year and a half. But he still wanted to do it. So 
this is what we came up with. And I think it got over pretty well. It was a lot of fun. And you did not get launched into your parents at this one, unlike the following year. But we'll talk about that here in just a moment. <laughs> because now we move forward like eight months, nine months. And we are at WXWC4 in Drums, Pennsylvania. Another close-to-home show. And you are in a six-way, I believe, elimination match. And that's with Tuck Hansen, AJ Sabotage, Kay Pusha from All Money is Legal, Havoc, and Sean Maluda. So we'll come right back to this. The previous match I was talking about in uh, Stroudsburg, WESS, um, that's where Jerry stole the idea from. I'm fairly certain this was my idea. I gave Franco the tombstone, drug him out of the room, came back to the ring, and eventually he crawled back for the hot tag. And then if you remember Jerry's uh, Young Lions Cup match with Fire Ant, he, you know, did a who knows what to Fire Ant on the outside, drug him almost out of the room on Hellertown, and then he came back in like a house of fire. Ha. Huh. But that's ah. where he got that idea. Ah. Um, yeah. So that match, I think that was my, no, it wasn't my first time working for WXW, but I used to go to WXW shows a lot before I wrestled, so it was pretty cool to uh, work for Samu. I remember after the show he said uh, he loved my gimmick, brother, and that I, I think he told me I was welcome back anytime. I don't really think I went back anytime, not for any reason, um, but it was fun. I remember that I had Tuck Hansen give me a crucifix driver, which I was a fan of taking at the time. I did it with Akuma a lot, and uh, he did it to me there. This is quite the collection uh, of talent here. You figure uh, Havoc has, has done a lot since then, and obviously Sean Maluda, uh, his time to Evolve, and now he, he does some AEW stuff. And, of course, All Money is Legal being represented as well. Uh, WXW at that point would have, would have one of these six-way matches every month on their shows. What, what is legal? All money is legal. All of it. All of it. Okay. I just wanted to make every, sure. Every that was cool. I always bit. liked all money is legal. Havoc, that's kind of interesting. The first time I wrestled for WXW, I was also in a match with Havoc. I never put that together. But that's cool. Yeah, that was quite the cast of characters in that match there. Yes. Um, I remember <laughs> a story from driving there because Tuck Hansen lived closest and we, he lived up on the mountain and we lived in the valley and we drove up because the show was pretty close to his house. Mm. I remember him saying the diner, di the diner around the corner from his house was 24 seven on the weekends. <laughs> I was just going to talk about that 24 seven on the weekends. Well, and, and you, you try to explain that that's not, you seven. know, <laughs> the seven <laughs> Is, is seven days in a week. It's, if it's just on the weekend, it's more like 24-2, not 24-7. <laughs> no, no, 24-7 means they're open all the time. Yeah, I know that's what it means. But they're not open all the time because they're just <laughs> open 24 hours on the weekend. It's 24-2. No, you don't understand. It's 24-7, but just on the weekends. No, <laughs> I, I do understand. You do not understand. <laughs> what I think is really funny is I'm just going to 
tell everybody that uh, I did not remember this story at all. Matt told me this story before we started recording this, and I think I did a great job running with it as if I remembered. But I didn't, but I think it's uh, still a funny story. I'm really proud of myself for saying more like 24-2, which Matt tells me I said. <laughs> I'm glad I could remind you of that. <laughs> no problem. I enjoy it. And then we return back to East Stroudsburg, and, and you again are in the main event. Uh, of the second and final WESS benefit show because the second one did not draw very well. And you were against Hollow Wicked in match 425. It's November 20th, 2009. So I remember that poster you made, or someone made, that was pretty awesome. It was a a boombox, right? Yeah, Corey made that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think she, mm, she might have, I was going to say, I think she took that picture of me. She did my glamour shots when I turned to Stigma. But it was a cool flyer, which had a – it was a, a benefit of the radio station at Stroudsburg. So the flyer had a boombox on it, and in one speaker was Hollow Wicked's face, and one speaker was Shane Storm's face. No, it wasn't. It was Stigma's face, and it was really cool. Um, and then we were talking about my mom earlier. My parents – um, always went to any shows I was at locally, and they loved to come and have fun. But my mom and my dad, for the most part, kind of hated um, the possibility of me being injured. So at any time there was going to be a, a spot outside of the ring, I decided it was a good idea to do it right in front of them, which I've since apologized for because I realized that it was pretty much torture. Uh, one, you know, your parents do such a good job of – Raising you, making sure you turn into an adult and keeping you safe and not being injured. And then you just go and do something so reckless. And you also do it right in front of them. Um, but I remember probably my favorite move to take in all time was the step up Frankenstein or the Hollow Wicked did. Um, so I made sure to call that step up Frankensteiner right in front of my mom. And maybe a couple of years ago, I think you sent me a clip on uh, my cell phone saying, hey, you remember this? Does that sound right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is when I apologized to my mom. Uh, sorry, I didn't really mean to do this in front of you and torture you that much, but I thought it was funny at the time. And I guess looking back on it, I still think it's kind of funny, but I do definitely feel bad about it a little bit, um, but not that bad because I didn't get hurt that badly. Um, and also, I'm sure if you ever talk to anyone that, mentions Hollow Wicked, they say how awesome he is. He is. He is the guy who should be the farthest of anyone that we know in the wrestling business. He is a great person and a great wrestler, just all around good stand-up dude. Yep. And super talented, so easy to work with, and cannot say enough good stuff about him. Absolutely true. He's at the top of my list. Well, let's go to the bottom of your list uh, <laughs> for for at least one of these matches because now we're back close to home. About a year and a half goes by, and we are at PWA uh, for the only three matches we worked together in 2011. Um, so March 26, 2011, we're at the Nanako Garmory. You are in a four-way with Nick Destiny, Mike Marvel, and Mr. Avenger in match 481. 
And then we go back up the mountain to mountaintop. We team with Jerry to take on Fire and Soldier Ant. Hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 481. I want to talk about 481 because just like all the others I tell you, I don't remember anything about it. But, wow, I really, really don't remember anything about this one. I remember uh, Mike Marvel existing as a wrestler. Unfortunately, I don't think I remember Nick Destiny or Mr. Avenger. I remember where this is. Is it the? Maybe I don't. But I remember it happening. But do you remember anything else? Can you tell me something about it? I remember you were supposed to. You were getting pinned, and someone was supposed to break it up, and they weren't going to show up. So I had to tell you to kick out. I remember that happening. Hmm. I remember the first time I worked with Nick Destiny. I found out he was half made of metal because he was in a car accident. I remember Mister Avenger being there. Wow, that's really interesting. I don't remember too much of that. Nick Destiny, did he wrestle anywhere else? Um, He's like a central Pennsylvania guy, like a coal region guy. So we probably didn't cross paths with him too much. I was trying to think. I, he, the name Nick Destiny reminded me of somebody from WXW back in the day that had like a New York gimmick, Nick something. Nicky Ice? Yeah, they're not, they're not the same person, right? They are definitely not the same person. Okay, all right. Um, yep, so I was wishing we'd get a little bit more out of that for why that would have been an interesting match that I don't remember, but I guess we can move on. Oh, yeah. And the next one is much better because it's team with Jerry against Fire and Soldier and up, up the mountain, up back in Mountaintop, match 506, May 20th, 2011. The only thing I really remember about this night is Soldier Ant showing up in his mask and wearing it backstage the entire night. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Um, now. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. I remember that I think this was the only time my nephew was able to ever come see my wrestle, me wrestle. And this was probably the, uh, second time after the, the deathmatch Kings match that my sister came to see me wrestle. And, um, he was super terrified. He was scared of the ants. He was scared of people clapping. He was pretty young. Um, but he was very excited to go. But then we got there in reality, he hated every second of it. Um, and I think I took a stunner and I did a, a wacky bump. I think I did like a planking, I think was popular at the time. I took a stunner and I kind of, kind of planked. Maybe like, um, I think somebody took I, a stunner like that and they got in trouble in WWE. Does that sound familiar? Not really. And I don't really remember planking either, but you know, it was a thing. Just like sure. a, like a pencil. Just kind of jumped up and did a pencil and fell on my side. I'm, I'm sure that that was a, a stunner bump for somebody back in the day. It sounds about right. Yeah. I definitely, we, um, I think people are doing this move now, but we also then got, I went back, got a bag of uh, thumbtacks from under the ring, put them on the mat, and then Gerard and I started doing a, a move where I would kind of shove a guy from behind to Jerry, and he would pop them up into the air. I think they would push off his shoulder, and he would push him up, and I would grab them into a German suplex. We did that to fire Ant right into the tax. Oh. Um, it's pretty crazy. But we didn't actually do it. I just didn't remember anything else from the match, so I figured we'd add something in. We did start doing that that move, though, and I think um, the Dark Order do it, or something similar to that anyway, in in AEW. Yes. I I don't know. It's not in my book, but... Did you wind up working with them when they were just 
the video game guys in Chikara? Yes, I think possibly my my last match as Shane Storm in Chikara was against them, I think. But before that, I think, previous to that, I think it would only have been here or there, like, tag matches. Not full, like, multiple man tag matches. Multiple man okay. tag matches. Of which there were a lot of in Chikara. Six yeah, man, or, eight man, ten man, fourteen man. I think all man tags. Uh, all multiple man tag matches. All all tag matches are uh, multiple man matches. But yeah. I mean, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, to be a tag match, there doesn't have to be multiple people. <laughs> so, Most of the time. So we move forward here to you coming to GSW. And this started because Decker and I were booking GSW, and we were doing a feud between the Diamond City Kings and the Floyd family, and we needed someone for the Floyd family. And it was actually A.J. Evers who said, why don't you call Stigma? And I said, why don't we call Stigma? That's a great idea. And he said, yeah, sure, I'll come in. So you go into this feud and start to take on the Diamond City Kings. We have you here. September 28th, 2013, all of these in the Music Youth Center against Mike Vaughn in match 721, and then teaming with, at that time, Punisher Van Slyke, now Brute Van Slyke, against Matt Turner and Mike Vaughn in 725, and then the blow-off on January 25th, 2014, against Dick Justice, Brad DeMeo, and Mike Vaughn, teaming with Brute and Clay Drasher in match 746. Let's talk about this Floyd family feud in general. What memories do you have from that, if any? Remember Tommy Floyd? Tom Floyd, right? It was a yeah. lot of fun to work with. He would always get a good amount of heat. Um, again, I loved going to GSW because it was literally right down the street from my apartment at the time. One thing I never liked was their ring. Man, the GSW ring was rough. Some guys are really great at adapting to, you know, any ring. I am not. <laughs> ropes were really <laughs> high. <laughs> the bump was rough, and it was always random whether the ropes were going to be tight or not. But it was always fun to work with the Floyd family. I don't remember that much. That the Cashmasters, were they part of the Floyd family? Uh, yeah, I mean, Sean was out at that point, so Clay was still there. We were doing a singles thing. And you have plenty of matches coming up with, with Clay and Sean here. Uh, in the future. But yeah, this was the way to introduce you to that GSW crowd. And then when that wraps up, we got you in there with Andy Heather for a title shot in match 750, February 22nd, 2014, back at the Music Youth Center. I remember this one for a couple reasons, but I'll let you go first if you have anything. Yeah, I'm sorry, Matt. I definitely, this is one where uh, I had to, I called you later and apologized. And uh, I think I also asked for Header's phone number because I didn't have it because I wanted to call and apologize to him too. Man, I feel like I had a bunch of great ideas for for that match, and oh, I was uh, I was totally blown up towards the end. And it would have been fine if I or um, if I managed to tell you, hey Matt, this is the finish. When uh, I didn't, because I didn't. So <laughs> when I wanted it to be the finish and it wasn't what was supposed to be the finish, it wasn't as smooth sailing as could have been. 
Um, add to that that the ring had gotten completely fucked in the match before. So this became a very um, loose rules match, if you will, <laughs> where a lot of it was on the floor. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember a spot with um... – I think I was I gave him a, a body slam and then a suplex on the floor on the padding when there had to be padding and then the last time I decided to pull the padding up I was gonna power bomb him onto the floor but then he reversed it into a, a back body drop uh, onto the floor which also was a great idea I don't know why I would have done that um, and then. I'm sure that's why I was so blown up because I had to take that back body drop on the floor that I called, and then also bumping with the ring that was had a hole in it. That's certainly <laughs> why I couldn't do the last two moves in that match. But it was rough. I've known Hedder for a long time too, and uh, he's fun to work with. But I was wrecked in that match. It was. I don't really remember if. I think the match probably would have been fine if the end wasn't such a mess. Do you remember? I, I don't remember the finish, but what I do remember um, was you popping me in the middle of the match. So we had gotten some coverage in the weekender. And our coverage included a big picture of Andy Heather in the weekender as the GSW champion. So you decided, as Stigma, oh, you're in the weekender. You want to see a weekender and pulled out the following Easter egg from, like, 2000. <laughs> there was a wrestler in the original VCW named Chili Palmer. Uh, Chili Palmer was also the editor of The Weekender, and his finish was also then called The Weekender. So what did Stigma decide to do? Chili Palmer's finish The Weekender. And uh, I was just like, I get jokes. I'm the only one here who understands what's happening right now, <laughs> but that's okay. So did I just start yelling about the weekender? Yeah. <laughs> who was on the weekender? Andy Hedder was? Yeah, because uh, they had done some coverage of local independent I... wrestling, and Hedder was in the article, and there was a picture of him, and you're like, oh, you're in the weekender, huh? <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you did the weekender. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Because <laughs> if you... Talked about the weekender, the uh, <laughs> the newspaper. I would remember that Chili Palmer edited it or whatever, and he used to do a move called the weekender. It was like a a dumb, uh, sorry, Chili Palmer, a dumb one handed or a choke slam. Kind of, you grab the guy's arm, <laughs> you grab the guy's arm, you pick him up, and you give him a choke slam, but you hold their arm instead of their neck, and it's uh, pretty terrible. But that's really hilarious, um, and I would like to maybe see that on tape or something. It reminds me of the, the WESS show when you had uh, some mouth issues, dental issues. I had oral surgery the day before the show, and my jaw was still very swollen. Very swollen. And I insisted you had some bubblicious that you needed to share, so I was trying to get it out of your pockets. Man, I'm sorry, that was very nice, but it was very swollen. It's not you probably shouldn't even have been uh, there. Oh no, I should not have. Um, but I I ran that show and I had to be there, and I meant to bring up the bubblicious thing while we were talking about it, 
and I completely forgot. <laughs> um, there is there are two more matches here with you as Stigma. One against Dick Justice, March twenty second, twenty fourteen, at the Music Youth Center, match seven fifty four. You remember working Dick? I do. This match was the only time I think that I, other than all of professional wrestling, where I faked an injury in the match. Um, I think I did a a bunny hop over Dick and wanted to make it seem like I twisted my knee. And then, you know, you were supposed to come check on me, and then I was going to attack him. But I I did too good of a job because I twisted my knee um, while bunny hopping. Completely legit hurt my knee. Another reason why my knee is hurting right now. And I'm using Tiger Balm. Tiger Balm is awesome. Anybody that has aches and pains, Tiger Balm is the shit. Yeah. First time ever. I decided to do one of those spots where I'm a heel, so I'm going to fake an injury, and then the ref comes to check on me, and I sneak up on the baby face. But I really injure myself in the the same exact way I plan on pretending to injure myself. It was terrible. You know, I now remember this. I remember you saying to me, I'm hurt. And like, I'm like, okay, do you want me to stop the match? You're like, no, seriously. Like, this isn't part of the gimmick. <laughs> yeah, I think I was probably saying this is incredible. I really hurt myself <laughs> when I was planning on pretending that I hurt myself. This is terrible. <laughs> and working with Dick Justice was always a blast. You get to do it again as Shane Storm coming up here. But we have one more match with you, a stigma. And I think that this was, <laughs> to me, maybe this was better than the Bubblicious and the Weekender thing for your shit talk, a stigma. It, we're back in Nanticoke. It is kicking it for Joe. It is March, uh, February, uh, sorry, April 26, 2014. You are going one on one with Granakuma on your birthday, match 764. That That is key to your shit talk <laughs> that's amazing i'm looking at the list right now and i'm like oh look at this match is on my birthday and i can't remember what you're talking about <laughs> okay so you beat akuma and you said and i quote you're a loser you're always a loser it's my birthday <laughs> well there you have it you're a loser. You're always a loser. It's my birthday. I said to Akuma or you. Yeah. To Akuma. Okay, good. I'm glad I didn't say it to you. That's that's good. Do you remember how I beat him? Was it a tombstone? Um, I believe it was the tombstone. Yeah. That's cool. This show was pretty interesting. I don't think I worked with Akuma for a while at this point. It was probably years since I worked with him, and I always loved working with Akuma. Uh, except for when he kicks me in the face when I think he's going to kick me in the stomach, which <laughs> is fine if I knew he was going to kick me in the face. But he also um, designed my Shane Storm mask, so he gets all the credit for my mask being so bad. Um, but on this show, we were really excited to work with each other again, and it was a benefit show, and Matt Stryker was there. I don't remember who he was going to wrestle, but he was there, and I always heard cool stuff about Matt Stryker. I never... Never met him until this day. And, of course, the the normal stuff, and make sure to go around, shake everybody's hand, say hello. But 
Uh, Kuma and I are around the ring going over what we're going to do in our match. Kuma wants to do uh, Frankensteiner where he, he kind of does a diving one outside of the ring where he slips between the second and bottom rope, feet first, right into a Frankensteiner, and I swing him around. Where I know we both can do um, a ring exit where we kind of run and grab the top rope and slip between the second and bottom rope um, right to our feet. But I really never took a swing Frankensteiner, but we kind of went through the logistics and we were going to do it. He was going to run, do this feet first diving Frankensteiner through the ropes to the floor. And we were pretty excited about it. Um, we didn't practice it, kind of just went through the motions the tiniest bit. And Matt Stryker comes up mostly to me, probably because I'm one of the least athletic looking pro wrestlers of all time. And says, um, really, really in a judgmental fashion, are, um, you guys, you're, you're gonna do that move? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, we are. And he says, have you done that before? And just like, well, you worked with each other probably like a hundred times. And, well, that wasn't my question. He says, did you do that before? No, we, we haven't done it before. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. He says, and then he just kind of, Takes a couple steps away. And Akuma and I just kind of look at each other like, um, all right. And I immediately feel bad. Like, I don't know, did I, did I say something wrong? What was I supposed to say? You know, he's a vet. He's been wrestling longer than I am. So I'm supposed to say, hey, we're, <laughs> we never did this move. We're going to try it anyway. So I go up to him. I said, hey, I'm sorry. I'm not sure if you're trying to give input. I really appreciate it. If you're just trying to help out, I didn't mean to to be a jerk or rude. It's like, rude? I don't think you're rude. What are you talking about? I'm like, well, I don't know. I didn't mean to be a dick. And he just screams, kind of yells like, I don't know who's being a dick. I'm not being a dick. You're not being a dick. I'm not being rude. <laughs> and made this big thing about it where I was, I, I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. I just want to apologize if, if I seemed like I was blowing you off because you were giving us advice. And it was, it was a very weird conversation. And I remember Tuck Hansen was right there. He's like, you were not in the wrong at all. That was really, really weird. <laughs> um, and then oh, that match that, was... That's okay, uh, because we got a back... But, I'm sorry. <clears throat> oh, sorry. That was um, my birthday, apparently. And I beat Akuma. That was cool. Um, Akuma didn't want to do any of the moves I wanted to do, like the uh, Yoshitonic or the Crucifix Driver. Then what were you going to say? We got Matt Striker back? Well, yeah, because um, we had him do commentary with Irish Kev. Oh, wow but we didn't warn him about Coach Skull <laughs> and what Coach Skull was. I just kind of said, thanks for doing commentary. This is Kev. He's your partner. Gotta go. And I just walked away. <laughs> and then uh, when Kev starts talking about doing black tar heroin with people, that striker's like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? <laughs> no, Kev does not do black tar heroin. Coach Skull fictitiously may be less than savory. Irish Kev himself not, but okay. I could not imagine someone that did not know Coach Skull having to interact with him or Kev on a regular basis is pretty awesome. But if you've never met him, being thrown into commentary with him on the fly would probably be quite the experience. Oh yeah, it, it, it's a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was just like, oh, Master Rickers here. We should probably have him do commentary if he'll do it. He said, yeah, of course, I'll be glad to. I was like, okay, well, you already met Chris, and this is Kev, and 
you'll do two matches with them. And that's all I said. <laughs> I always heard Matt Stryker was so nice, and it really it wasn't. It was just so weird. He made it seem made it like a big situation about this little thing, and I was just trying to fix whatever happened. Uh, yeah, it was weird. Well, there, there's some weird to come, um, because we're going to turn you back into Shane Storm, and uh, we will get to that after this quick break. Hey friends, Chris O'Mealy here, and if you're into nerd culture like I am, then you'll love my show, The Nerd Table, airing every Monday morning at 7am on the CKCC radio channel. Eric Flores, Dan Peck, and myself discuss everything from movies, TV shows, video games, music, sports, and more while we tell hilarious stories, interview interesting people, and just have fun conversations about the things we enjoy. Check us out every Monday at 7 a.m. on CKCC Radio. And if you're a fan of The Simpsons, CKCC Radio delivers the Stupid Sexy Podcast every Friday evening as Dan Peck and I review every episode of The Simpsons ever. All this and many other great shows can be found on CKCC Radio. Listen to us wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And we're back from the final segment here on By the Numbers on CKCC Radio. I'm joined once again by Shane Storm, having been stigma in the previous segment. And before we get to the matches, I mentioned some, some weird stuff uh, coming up. And part of that, well, the majority of that here, was the method in which we turned you back into Shane Storm. <laughs> yes, all this transformation it gets pretty tiresome. It's really physically difficult to go from one to the other so often. I mean, we only had to do it once in GSW. We were running the thing where Eric Pinhat was trying to find a new tag partner because AJ Everest had left him for the Floyd family. And to kind of rib AJ a little bit, we called it Camp Summer Camp Evers because it was a summer camp to try to find Eric a new tag partner. And we had done a gimmick previously, myself, AJ, and Kev as Camp Evers. So to kind of rib AJ a little bit, we made this Summer Camp Evers. And on this night, whatever night it was in music, we had a talent contest where whoever won the talent contest, as determined by Gladbad, would be Eric's next tag partner. And it was Juan Jeremy singing um, some country song as for karaoke, and someone else was in it, and then Stigma was in the talent show, which was kind of weird. So I guess your talent here was to transform... Because you came back as Shane Storm, but what did you write on that paper that you gave to Glad Dad? So it was that. Where was the talent? The sign-up sheet was posted in the back, and um, any wrestlers that wanted to be a part of it could sign up. Yeah. And then he had the clipboard out at the ring, and he was reading off the names, right? Yeah. He reads off the first two names, sets down the clipboard, and goes and does something else. I sneak in the ring. Oh, that's right. You had just lost the match. Yes. Okay. Sneak in the ring as Stigma, and I write Shane Storm's name down on the list. Seeing as I've known Gladbad for quite a long time, I figured I'd like to see if I could make him laugh a little bit, so I also drew a giant penis next to the name Shane Storm. That may have been ejaculating. <laughs> and with that, Shane Storm 
<laughs> was reborn in GSW. So then um, you have some matches here with, with Clay Drasher and Sean Andrews, 814 and 816 in March and April of 2015. So you have singles matches with each of the Cashmasters. And we talked about working with Clay earlier, so now you're against him rather than on the same team as him. Yes. The Cashmasters, they were always a real lot of fun to work with. I remember at one point when I was in a tag match with them, I tried to do a big comedy of errors spot with them that it got all messed up where I kind of tied one of them in the knots and laid him down, and uh, he was stuck there tied up, and I was going to think kick Clay's legs out from under him, cause him to drop kick Sean, but Sean already got up too early, so then uh, when I kicked out Clay's legs, he kind of drop kicked like Sean in the in the leg as he was standing. It uh, it didn't go completely right. <laughs> but that's okay, because sometimes wrestling's not perfect. Um, that is true. I also started okay. doing the stunner as a finisher around here because I figured it would go well in music for the GSW crowd. They're really kind of, uh, in a non-offensive way, generic wrestling crowd. Do you think that's true? Um, it's very much a family-oriented kind of, It was very much a family-oriented kind of show where they weren't necessarily wrestling fans per se, but they were wrestling fans, if that makes sense. But they right. weren't like super indie wrestling fans. It was just like exactly. your local indie. Right. If you tell a good story, your match will be okay, even if uh, you, uh, you're you super blown up at the end. Um, but I started doing the stunner because I always thought it got a good reaction. And I I think it did as well. I think I probably won that match with a stunner. This got you into the first one with Clay. Got you into the Agro Cup, right? Yes. Oh, you know what? I remember that because you said that you had never been in a ladder match and you wanted to be in one, so we put you in Agro Cup. <laughs> yeah, and then the day of the ladder match, I'm like, why would I want to be in a ladder match? <laughs> you rethought that real quick. Yeah, I knew I wanted to put the ladder on my head and spin around in a circle, which I did. Uh, that's about it. I think maybe the ladder was on top of me and somebody took a bump on a ladder that was on top of me. I think. Look, but other than hard, that, I don't think I did anything. Climb the ladder hard, a little bit. Hard no on that. Um, so now you start to, um, starting with uh, the, the Turkey Bowl thing, you now start to move yourself into a tag team with Bo Nakoda, known as Bo Storm. And you find your way to the GSW tag titles. And you start to, there's a lot of tag teams in GSW. So now you're working with the Impeccables and the World Class Gentlemen and the Falcon Corps, who became the TakeOver. Uh, so there's a couple matches here. There's a singles match. It's a, well, a four-way with Kit Cassidy, Blaze Daniels, and Adam Falcon at match 832 on August 8th, 2015. And then with Bo against the Impeccable, the World Class Gentlemen, and the Falcon Corps match 847. Let's talk about the team with Bo um, and how that came about and how that all worked out. Teaming with Bo was a lot of fun. I think we we're a good fit. Um, almost like... Men at Work version 2.0, if you will. Bo was a lumberjack. Shane Storm's a construction worker. Um, they go together well. Bo was a great wrestler and really good at putting matches together. And I think for the most part, like teaming with me. It started, I think, on that match uh, November 22nd. Probably the, the Turkey Bowl match, maybe. 
Yeah. And from there, I think we just gelled and they decided to have us as a tag team. And we eventually won the tag titles. And it went really well. When you're planning a story, you just hope that every... In GSW, I'd say not every match um, had a story involved. And kind of sometimes month after month, there would just be a match to have a match. Where eventually, once I started teaming with Bo, there was a plan to get us to the titles. And it was going uh, great. And I had the idea, because the people were behind us so much, of having one of us turn immediately after winning the titles. So what I wanted to happen was we win, and then either Bo attacks me or I attack Bo. And then we attack also Joey Image. Remember Joey Image just recently retired at that point? Yes. And... I wanted him to be bringing us the tag team titles and for, I think mostly the idea was I wanted Bo to attack me and turn heel. And then he attacks Joey Image and, uh, you know, hits him with a chair or whatever, but a chair on his head and the entire locker room comes out and they throw him out of the building. And then we're still the tag team champions because we just won and he turned on me for whatever reason. And then we keep going where Bo comes back into the ring for his matches kind of just in time from the front door, kind of like unstable style and um, doesn't help me out. I'm the, I'm a single wrestler pretty much wrestling in a tag match and then sneaks in at the very last minute and gets the win. So we continually have the tag team titles, even though we're feuding at the same time. And because we were so hot as of a tag team, I thought it was going to go over great, and I had such a good idea, and I pitched it. Like, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) It was a little disappointing. But you guys did work very well together as a team in general. And I know even when we did the Leap Day show last year, and talking about when we were playing, he's like, is Shane Storm going to be there? I was like, I don't think he's going to be. He's like, oh, that's a real bummer, right? I need to catch up with him. Because you guys really did form a, a strong unit together as a team. So I always appreciated that about the team. Yeah, it was pretty natural. Um, Honestly, I don't know how long he was wrestling, but it felt like he's been wrestling for a long time when I worked with him because it seemed like uh, kind of common sense stuff just clicked with him where it it honestly didn't. It doesn't click with a lot of people when it comes to putting a match together or if, if something gets messed up, how do you deal with it? It came naturally to him, so I enjoyed working with him, and uh, that's good to hear. I also think it was pretty interesting. I don't think he always had a cell phone. Does that sound familiar? He didn't have a smartphone. He doesn't have any social media still to this day. Okay, so he had a – I think he didn't have a phone that could text. And I was like, oh, what's your number? I can text you. We can try to come up with ideas or whatever for the next show. And he's like, oh, no, I don't text. Do you have a cell phone? And I th- I thought it was that he didn't have a cell phone. But then eventually he at least got one <laughs> with texting. Um, we didn't really communicate much after that, but I thought that was pretty awesome. It was really a – and I think he was a, he was a shoot lumberjack, right, or worked yeah. in a mill, if that's the right he, – He was a shoot lumberjack, yeah. That's cool. He no longer is. I know he does something – 
still very industrial. I don't know what it is though. But he was a shoot lumberjack when he when he started doing this. So yeah, good dude that Bo Dakota. Absolutely. So we move along here. And they have a couple more Turkey Bowl matches. Now we're in 2015. And your team of Vaughn and A.J. Evers going against Shogun Machete, Blaze Daniels, and Johnny Moran. And then you and Mike advance to the to the final, which is now a three-way elimination match with teams. Again, I don't know what Deckard and I were thinking when we built this thing. Uh, so in the second match, which is 859, you team with Vaughn against Mark Hart and Wild Phoenix, and then also Andy Heather, Sean Silence, and Matt Turner. I don't remember too much about that match, but I believe it was shortly after I was Shane Hart. Does that sound familiar? Do you remember that? I remember the, I remember the Shane Hart thing. I know Jeff refed it. That wasn't me. Right. No, I know it wasn't you. But Mark Hart was... Mark Maverick, right? And then he yes. became Mark Hart. And he wore a lot of black and pink, but he spelled Hart with two T's. And he made it clear that he didn't really want to be confused too much with Bret Hart or make it seem like he was trying to be like Bret Hart. And I don't think he really was, but he did wear black and pink. So when I was having a match with him, I decided to be Shane Hart. And I uh, created a T-shirt that had a logo look like Bret Hart's and it said Shane Hart, Shane Hart, but I had three T's instead of two. And then I uh, came out to Bret Hart's music and had uh, some sunglasses I made like Bret and a black leather jacket, which really, that match went pretty well. It was a, it was a pretty fun match. I know you didn't ref it. Uh, I kind of wish you did just so I could involve you in the story and it would make sense for me to talk about it. But I wanted to do a heart attack, but um, it was a singles match. So I gave him an atomic drop, and he was hopping around the ring, and he hopped right into Jeff's arms, and then I was able to give him a heart attack. I don't know if you remember that, but that was I a did. really great spot, and I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> well, we got something out of, the, out of the Turkey Bowl match, at least. It's just a different match. <laughs> well, Mark Hart was in it, so I figured I can talk about Mark Hart a little bit, but... I don't remember too many of the details of that match. If you remember anything you want me to talk about, I'll probably uh, remember it when you start talking about it. Not uh, Oh, um, I remember Vaughn and Turner were feuding, and I believe Turner tapped out almost immediately uh, to Vaughn to get out of the match, or they double DQ'd or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't remember that. that that's, that's fine. We'll move along. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, so then you wrestle Shogun Machete. We're at match 870, February 6, 2016, back at the Music Youth Center. Eddie Machete <laughs> was always fun to work with. Eddie Machete, always fun to work with. And I do remember something from this match. It's a very clever spot that I, um, uh, I came up with. I, if I don't, if I do say almost, do say so myself. So he, um, continued to call me a clown. Where I understand the Shane Storm's mask kind of looks like a clown, but it really is not a clown. Uh, but he still wanted to say over and over again that he wasn't afraid of clowns. Or he was afraid of clowns, maybe. And I had a clown luchador mask at my house. And I brought it with me. <clears throat> and we did a spot where he chased me under the ring. Right? Is this right? And he <clears throat> took my mask off and he came out of the ring with my mask. Um, I took my shirt off. 
I was wearing a singlet underneath, took my shirt off and put it over my head. But before I did that, I put on the clown luchador mask. So I come out of the ring because I'm being counted out. I crawl into the ring. He pulls the shirt off my head, sees that I have a clown luchador mask, and I drop kick him and give him a shining wizard, and I win the match. Um, that spot I actually stole from a match I had with Larry Sweeney probably five or six years earlier where we were wrestling in New Jersey. And instead of a clown mask, I just had a spare Shane Storm mask I uh, hid under the ring. Through the whole match, Sweeney would yell at me how much he hated me and my mask or whatever. And at one point, we uh, fought underneath the ring. He took my mask, went out. Um, into the ring, I start getting counted out while he's holding my mask in the air. I put on the other mask, take off my shirt, put it over my head as if I'm trying to conceal my identity. I come out, he grabs the shirt off my head and pulls it, and he does a 180, has both his arms up in the air, and one hand has his mask, and the other hand, or my mask, and the other hand has my shirt, thinking he just revealed my identity to everyone in New Jersey the whole state. And uh, in reality, <laughs> I had a spare mask under the ring. Ha, he turns around, has some crazy eyes. I gave him a stunner, and then we go home. And it was um, it was really fun. And I'm glad I had to. I was able to kind of do that same spot with Eddie there. Eddie's a blast. <laughs> and um, I remember the stop sign gimmick came into play, um, and I wound up with the stop sign in this one. There are pictures of that somewhere on the interwebs, me holding the stop sign. Well, you did something to Eddie. As we head into the home stretch here, now you're getting a shot at Kevin Graham and the GSW Heavyweight title. It is GSW's 49th show as we headed towards show 50. November 12, 2016, you and Kevin Graham in match 922. And this is Graham at, like, the height of his heel powers. That was a lot of fun. Kevin Graham was always fun to work with. I think Jerry and I worked with him with them years earlier in some really random promotion. I don't even remember where way before I worked in GSW. And then when we met them in GSW, um, it took a while for us to realize that we actually wrestled each other somewhere else. But that match was a lot of fun. I remember at one point I did a, um, an ace crusher, which was cool. Kevin went for, I think a splash. I got the second rope and I caught him into an ace crusher. My nephew really wanted to see not an ace crusher, but, the RKO. So I did that and uh, it went pretty well. And then I also missed a swanton off of the second rope. And I feel like there was a cool move for the finish, but I don't remember what it was. Do you remember what he beat me with? Um, I don't remember offhand, but I do know he went over as we built to Vaughn winning the title the next month. So now we move into 2017 and we have just a couple matches to go over. And this one really sticks out in my mind. Now we're in the uh, the GSW Arena at Old Forge. This is a six-man tag on February 11th, 2017. The match 939. You're teaming with Kevin Cartwright and Dante Dio to take on Mike Skyros, Jacoby Riddick, and Bo Nakoda. This is the match where Bo takes your mask. Yes. Um, I remember Bo taking my mask. However, I don't remember. Was it after the match? Did we lose? It was to cause the finish. Oh, it was to cause the finish. Did he pin me? It was a singles match? Or it was, I was it definitely was not a singles man. match. Six man. Like, um, I believe not a he, tag. Was it a tag? It was a six man. 
Well, and... I didn't know maybe it was like a fatal six way. <laughs> no, no, it was a six man tag. There were I could just want to remember Bo pinning me. He did. Uh, he rolled you up after he took the mask. Weren't we teaming? No. This is, he had turned on you. Got it. I just I don't believe, remember when he turned on me. I believe I it was, was at 50. Got it. I'm sure it was better turn than the, the idea I had previously. This, but This was the turn to build him up to the title. Got it. Do you remember, you remember how he turned on me? Um, to... It was after a match. It would, it would make sense if we lost the titles, right? We would have lost the titles. Hmm. You didn't lost the titles way prior to that, though, I thought. But I do remember the idea of having him take my mask, which I don't think I've ever done before. But I remember in Chikara back in the day, I think it was the Wild Cards versus Ultramantis Black and Mr. Zero. It was just regular Ultramantis. And to cause the finish, um, I think Eddie Kingston grabbed... Mr. Zero's mask and ripped it right off his face and Zero covered his face and fell to the ground and then I think it was just a DQ because you weren't allowed to take people's masks off. So I had that kind of similar idea. I think in reality I didn't cover my face fast enough. I think a lot of people was able to, were able to see my face but my intentions were to turn around immediately and have Bo schoolboy me for the finish but I think I really did experience a little bit of shock from having the mask taken off. So I covered my face and I was bumped. Um, so there was a little hesitation between the mask getting ripped off and him just pinning me, which I was hoping he was just going to do, which he did. Um, but I always think it's cool when somebody's mask gets ripped off and it's a, a big shock. So that was fun. I think it was a good finish and it led to our next match. Yes. And this is where our journey together ends currently. Uh, two matches on June 10th, 2017, Commander Effects in 953, and then Bonacota in 954 in a match that we kind of had to make up on the fly, because this was supposed to be Bo and Akuma, and then Akuma got hurt. Right. So, first, I was super excited to wrestle Commander Effects, because he has been wrestling, like, forever, and uh, I always really liked watching him wrestle. So he tried to come up with a lot of good ideas, and um, it turned out we didn't really <laughs> have many good ideas. Um, and I was trying to come up with something that was a good story. I knew that um, I was supposed to win the match, and for some reason I wanted to win with an abdominal stretch. So I, in my head, pieced together this idea where in the beginning of the match I could do a abdominal stretch, and Commander Effects kind of weasels his way out of it. Um, I can call him Isis, right? He was Isis. Yeah, go ahead. He's Isis Effects, yeah. So then throughout the heat of the match, he would continue to put me into an abdominal stretch and grab the ropes and really wrench it and, like, uh, put his elbow in my hip, my ribs and really wear out the ab stretch and continue to grab the ropes. And then... For the turnaround at some point, I would do an ab stretch on the outside of the ring and encourage all the fans to link hands with me. And we uh, put a giant abdominal stretch on ISIS, which is a spot that was kind of done in, in Chikara in the past, wherever there was huge tag matches. It would be easier because the, the tag partners can all link hands and it would help with the leverage for the ab stretch. And they grab hands with the fans. I just grabbed hands with the uh, people in the front row, I don't really think they got into it too much, 
But in my head, this was going to be the best thing ever. And then I also thought if we worked up to it enough, it would be a good finish. <laughs> so I hit him with a shining wizard and then pulled him up and put him right in the ab stretch. And he gave up. He gave up a lot quicker than he did in the back when I was trying to convince him to do it. <laughs> he, I didn't. I thought he was going to be all for it, all for working an ab stretch and having an ab stretch as the finish. He didn't really like it as well as much, but I really talked him into it and said how great it was going to be. And unfortunately, it it didn't get there. But I think the idea, I think the foundation is a good idea. It just did not pan out. But I think that's always a good idea to go with those kind of ideas so then you can learn from it. And I still think it was uh, way better than if I just beat him with a Shining Wizard and that was that. It was different. It was definitely different than the rest of the card, that's for sure. And I remember saying to him, he goes, I give up. I go, I said to him, wait, you give up? He goes, yes, I give up. And and that was the finish. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, so we worked up to it. So we did it. I did it in the shine, and then he did it a bunch in the heat, and then we did it in the crowd. So we're, I was really working over <laughs> his abs. So And I hit him with a shining wizard and then pulled him up into the ab stretch immediately. So it's not like, you know, it was a minute into the match and he tapped out to an ab stretch. And I will uh, obviously go on record over your show right now and say that I still think it's a very clever idea. Unfortunately, the execution wasn't amazing. I'll take so, all, <laughs> all blame for it. And sometimes things don't work out. It's okay. Uh, we, and then the next match is our last match together at, at this point, uh, where you work Bo as a replacement for Akuma. Yes. And I believe here I threw Bo into chairs, right? We did a, a good amount of brawling because I was so angry that he took my mask. Yeah. And that was fun. I always love a good amount of brawling. Like I said, I've always been a fan of death matches. You win this by count out. I know that I sat him in a chair outside of the ring and then did like a, a foley dive off the apron onto him onto the chair. And I also kicked a fan and sent a fan flying, right? Yes. But not I, like, not like a, a, a paying fan, but like a fan that like blows air. Oh, right. No, no, a paying fan. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember that part. Um, you know the gentleman we bought, or I mean, everyone got together and got a, a title belt for him? Yes. Him. Oh. Yeah, I kicked him. I knocked him over. It was like a <laughs> like a Kawada kick to the back off the apron. Well, so I yelled, everyone move out. Everybody was moving, but apparently he didn't move fast enough. So I, I landed on Bo, but I also... Uh, sent a fan flying. I felt really bad. I got up and he was fine. And I think he liked it. <laughs> he thought it was interesting that he was uh, involved. But yeah. yeah, definitely kicked that fan. And this was supposed to lead to Akuma coming back into the fold after his injury and actually turning and working a, f a program with you. And that did not pan out. No, I like that idea too. Fortunately, it did not pan out. No. And that brings us to the end of our list together. And it, it's, it's been a fun ride here. I, I definitely appreciate you coming on. Um, do you have any stuff you want to plug? We, we typically do that at the end. It's a good place for it. Um, not necessarily. You can hit me up on Twitter if you'd like at the Japanese move. Um, check in, see what's going on. You can see how I am the uh, number six worst wrestling mask of all time. 
Thanks a lot, Akuma. Uh, Matt, it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad we got these 52 matches together. It's almost enough for uh, one every week for a year. But it was uh, a lot more than one year. It was over. Oh, yes. How long? It was over a 14-year stretch. 14-year <laughs> stretch. That is pretty incredible. I really appreciated all of it. Uh, likewise. Um, very quickly, make sure you tune in to all the shows here on the CKCC Network. With the airing of this show, that means next week will be the A Show. We will have the Stepdads, Radley Belmont and Wade Kruger on with us, and we are drafting 1998 WCW. By the time this airs, we will know who has won the poll for the 2005 WWE episode. Um, as we record, Chris O'Mealy is in the lead. I am in dead last again. And Decker with Great Balls of Maven is in second. And two weeks from now, here on By the Numbers, you can hear the Chubby Daddy, the Daddy of the Galaxy, Trajan Horn, joining me here to talk about his career, which is, with with me, is much less than 52 matches. <laughs> um, also, within the network, check out the Stupid Sexy podcast, where they review The Simpsons. Um, and they're doing every episode of The Simpsons chronologically, so they'll be there for a while. Uh, check out the Nerd Table, uh, where they talk about all things nerd-related. Uh, the Ranking Tracks podcast, where uh, the host, Jeff, will pick an album and rank the tracks from worst to best. And we also have podcasts related to paranormal activity. We have podcasts about NASCAR. We have a lot of different stuff on the network. Outside the network, check out the Wednesday Night War podcast with Huge and Brett, where they chronicle the battle between AEW and NXT. Um, that's on the soon-to-be-named network. Also, At Odds with Wrestling with Joe Sposto and Adam Dan, and Longbox Heroes, another Joe Sposto program. Also on soon-to-be-named network is Final Wrestling Place with Tim and Marcus, and they have a new show as well. Uh, called Viewer's Choice, where they're going to be reviewing pay-per-views right after they happen in a very digestible 45- to 60-minute format. Um, check out the Hooligans of Hops with Irish Kev and Rick, where they drink beer and then they talk about beer. Uh, it sounds like a very Kev-related podcast. <laughs> um, and then also the Not Another Sports Show with Jason and David, they will have a new show a week from today. They air the same week as the A show. So next Sunday night, they'll have a new episode as well. Also, independentwrestling.tv. Uh, use the code word numbers for five free days as a new subscriber. Check out a lot of the matches that we talked about here tonight with Shane Storm. A lot of that 2005 Chikara you can find on there. 2006 as well. Go back and hear Ambernance. Is that, was that the word? An ambinance. Somebody call an ambinance. We go back and hear someone call for an ambinance and other points of Shane Storm's career at various times. Um, to my old friend Shane Storm, thank you for joining me. And make sure you check out all the good shows here on CKCC. And for Shane Storm, my name is Matt. We will see you next week on the A Show and again in two weeks on By the Numbers. We are-